turn there, we finally reached the book of Colossians chapter number 3. And so that's where we'll be at, Colossians 3. And uh, all you probably should know from what we've done so far, listening to the guys helping out in the services, you need to pray for me in a whole new way uh, with that. You know, I like having these guys around, Micah, Jeremy, Will. They keep me on my toes. They definitely keep me praying. And that was good. I was kind of wondering, take, take my life, take my wife, let her be, whatever it was. I was kind of like, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, Lord, just help us in whatever we do here. And so, uh, but anyhow, and, and I appreciate your uh, uh, flexibility with our business meet. We had, a, we had a few things come up that we got. We want to make sure we have everything to you uh, accurately. We want to have everything to you in the right way. And so we need to push it back just a couple of uh, Sunday nights. I hope you don't mind that. And uh, so that way we can have everything to you and be a blessing to you. Just kind of let you know how the first part of the years went, uh, the first half of the years went and everything. And as we're getting ready for soccer and other things, we want to be a blessing to you. Uh, just kind of know what's going on. So I encourage you, if you can't come be a part of that service on the 15th there here in a couple of weeks. And again, pray for our soccer ministry. We are starting practices this week. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to pray about there. I mean, you just think about there's going to be hundreds of people that will come on our property. I think we looked at last year uh, just between the games that start at 9 o'clock and then we finally walk off all the fields around 4.30 or 5. We have over 500 people that will come to our property and be here. And so we're just praying that God will use it in, in a way. He has used it where we've seen people come to faith in Christ. We've seen people come be a part of our fellowship here, which is awesome. And we know this is not the place for everybody. We know that. We get that. But we just want to be able to let people know that we're just going to try to faithfully proclaim the word of God here and love people and love Christ in the process. And we're just all just messed up, broken people with the goal and direction of following Christ uh, to the best of our ability through him. And so tonight we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. And I know we want to hurry up and get into this. I know the teenagers are excited about their afterglow. And I know uh, the farmers are excited about all 72 teenagers going over there tonight and uh, having a good time. No, just kidding. But we're, uh, we're going to dive into this passage and... And as we look at this passage tonight, um, as I mentioned, we, we've kind of joked a little bit, to be honest with you, because as we're going through the book of Colossians, we've been trying to, the four of us guys are like, hey, you're going to take this passage, and this chapter's broken up in these many verses, and these many verses. Then we came to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is kind of an interesting chapter. Uh, we started looking at it and saying, well, why don't, why don't we do the first four verses, and the next section could be verses 5 through 11, and then verses 12 through 17 be someone else and then they said brother phil you get the last part. i'm like oh cool uh, what's the last part look at the last part last part of colossians chapter 3 they gave me starts in verse 18 you see what that says why submit to your own yeah i'm like thanks a lot so it doesn't pay to be the senior guy on staff you know for that so i'll try to let you know plenty in advance so you can skip that sunday night if you like to uh, with that, but don't worry, ladies, there's going to be a lot in there for the guys, too, okay? So don't just think, well, he's just going to, no. We're just going to look at what the Bible says. But anyhow, tonight is going to be Colossians 3, first four verses, all right? First four verses, beginning with verse number one. And this is kind of a transition chapter, if you would. Uh, Paul has been speaking for a while about who Christ is and who we are in Christ in these first two chapters. And then he transitions from who Christ is to, as believers, what we should be doing, what should be coming out of our lives. And it says in verse number 1 of chapter 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray together. Father, as we, we come to you this evening, Lord, I just want to stop and thank you for, Lord, just the wonderful time we've had together, Lord, worshiping you tonight, Lord, especially this morning. Lord, it was so encouraging to see people here, the people engage and lift their voices and fellowship and and Lord, just to open your word to see children, Lord, it was just such an encouraging morning this morning. I thank you for that. And Lord, as we just gather around your word just one more time before we start into our week, Lord, I pray you might just for the next few moments bring a peace, bring a calmness to our hearts, to our thoughts, that God, we might even in these four verses we're going to look at here for these next few moments, Lord, you might give us something that we can take we can apply, that can help us. And if, Lord, it's not something we can use right now, Lord, I pray it might be something we can deposit into the bank of our hearts that we might be able to draw from later. Lord, I do thank you for everyone that's here. I pray you bless them, bless their jobs, bless their families, bless their relationships. Lord, and I pray that you would renew the, a, a spirit, Lord, a closeness to you maybe that they haven't had in a long time. Thank you so much for Jesus. And Lord, I do ask you might use me in spite of me tonight. In Christ's name, amen. As you come to, like I said, Colossians chapter 3, it's really, like I said, it's a bridge. It kind of ties. The first few um, chapters 1 and 2 really talk a lot about Christ. It talks a lot about who Christ is, those things. I love in Colossians 1 where it says that in all things he might have the preeminence. And we said what that means is this, that Christ doesn't desire to be first in your life. Christ desires to be your one and only. There is no competition. There is no one else that's fighting for your affection, no one else that is fighting for your priority. And as you see these things here, in fact, we're not going to take time to read it, but really a good understanding of the first two, two chapters is if you read verses 15 down through verse number 20 about how he wants to have the preeminence now, he desires in your life because he gave himself for us. And we see that in this church here at Colossae. Just as a reminder is that, and this is kind of a little unique, is that Paul has never been to this church. Paul's never been to Colossae. He's never been there. He's just heard of it from Epaphras. Uh, and so he's heard from them. He's met him. He's told them about what's going on. So Paul's actually writing a letter to encourage to a group of people he's never met. Because when you read Galatians, you're, you know he's talking to. They have a relationship. Philippians he even says at the end of the letter, hey, you've given me a gift. And so we understand in Thessalonians and Corinthians, this is a group of people that he's used to. But the Colossians he's never met. Same thing as he wrote in, uh, I believe his brother Jeremy talked about a couple weeks ago, in chapter 2, where he said to the Laodiceans, remember that church, right? He says, you are neither hot nor warm, but you're lukewarm. And I spew you out of my mouth. And if that's another church he, wrote, he writes a little bit of a letter to that he never met. But when you come to chapter 3, and it really, I'll be honest with you, chapter 3 is starting to quickly become one of my favorite chapters. Philippians 4, by far, is still my favorite. Love Psalm 23, by the way. Psalm 23 is awesome. Philippians 4 is great. But Colossians chapter 3, there's a whole lot in this chapter. In fact, I told the guys, I said, you know, if y'all just let me have this chapter, I'd probably be here a lot longer than four messages. But there's a lot of things in this. But to understand Colossians 3 correctly, and I'm not going to take away from whoever is coming after me with this, but can I tell you, the main theme or the main purpose is stated in Colossians chapter 3 is mentioned in verse 17. If you look in verse 17, it says this, And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. As it goes on to those fun verses I joked about that I get to do, 
That verse comes before how husbands and wives and children, everybody should do, is that, that you not only, whatever you do in your thoughts, in your words, but in your deeds, your actions, may they please Christ in that. And these other things that leads up to it. And we see this understanding here of what he's trying to teach and what he's trying to say that in everything that you do, you do it in the name of Christ. That means how I love my wife, I need to do it because that's how Christ will love her. How I treat my employees, all the different things that we'll get it to eventually. But he starts this in chapter 3, verse number 1. And he starts this, and this is kind of my title, if you would. Oh, this says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now, before we get into the next part of the verses, or next part of the verse, can I tell you that this is important. When Paul starts this paragraph of this letter and says, if ye then be risen with Christ, there's a condition, if you notice that. What do you say, Brother Phil, what does he mean? He means that if up to this point you're not a believer, you don't have faith in Christ, then you need to stay in chapters 1 and 2. He's like, but, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if there's a relationship with Christ, if there's a testimony, if you would, of a salvation experience, then you can proceed because there's some things that should be coming out of our life that should be produced. There should be some things inwardly, and, and not only inwardly, but outwardly going on. As I said in verse 17, he says what? In word and deed. And by the way, if you're like me a lot of times, there's a big gap, a big chasm between the things I think about God and say about God and honestly the things I do for God. I mean, I might have my thoughts right, I might have my words right, I might say all the right things, think all the right things, but what I actually do for God, sometimes, if you're like me, they're not always on the same page. And what he says here in this thing is to understand, if ye then be risen with Christ. So there's a qualifier here. He says that means if you know Christ as your Savior, and you say, Brother Phil, it's Sunday night. If we're going to drag ourselves back out here on a Sunday night, you know we've got to be a Christian. No, I don't. I don't know you're a Christian. At the end of the day, the only person that knows if they're going to heaven is you and, the, you and uh, God. You're the only one that knows. Because traditions and, and uh, all kinds of legalism is what people do all the time. There's people who go to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and they're no closer to God than someone that doesn't go to church. They have religion, but they don't have a relationship. And I, we're going to look at a few of these things here in a moment. Let me ask you a question before we proceed. Are you risen with Christ tonight? Do you know that you know that you are a child of God? Do you know you're saved? Do you know that you have a relationship with Christ and not just a head knowledge of who Jesus is? Do you, do you have a relationship? And you say, well, how do you know? We're going to see some of this in a moment. But let me ask you a question to start with. Uh, do you have any desire to please God with your life and your actions? I tell you, if you think to yourself, I really don't care a whole lot about what I do. I'm going to do this week what I want to do this week. You, you know, you've got to kind of maybe think to yourself. You say, Phil, you're making salvation at work. No, but I'm saying a true believer, an evidence of true conversion is a genuinely changed life. Is that I'm not living this life for myself. I'm living it by faith of the Son of God who loved me and was it saying gave himself for me. Do you have a desire in your life to love God, to please God with what you do? Do you have that desire? You know, I wonder that sometimes when I look at people and I watch them for time and time and time, and I see they might do things that a Christian would do, but there is no desire for the things of God. Like doing uh, what a Christian should do is almost like eating your vegetables or doing the chores. It's like taking out the trash. You just do it because you're supposed to do it. And we're going to see some things tonight to understand first. If you are a believer, and let me, let me just do this. It shouldn't be a bad thing for you to check on your salvation. The Bible says what? Make your calling and election sure. There's nothing wrong with checking up. 
Because it'd be a terrible thing to die and go to hell and go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But to know that you're saved. And Paul is saying here, if you are in Christ, if you then be risen in Christ, there's some things. Now, there's actually, in my notes, what I have, but I'm not preaching all this because it's not all of my verses, okay? But I actually have, there's four things that actually, that if you are risen in Christ, there's four things that should be happening, and they all begin with the letter S, and I'm only going to go over two of them because two of them are in my notes, okay? Uh, first one we see here is in verse number one. If I'm risen with Christ, number one, I should seek. You say, what do you mean I should seek? Look what it says. I should seek, verse one, those things which are above. If I'm risen with Christ, I need to seek those things which are above. Let me ask you a question tonight. What are you chasing after? What's your purpose in life? I'm not asking you to give me a Sunday school answer. But what are you chasing after? You say, well, I'm if I had to look at your life and watch your life and your actions and your thoughts for the last month, what would your life and your actions and your thoughts say that you're chasing after? What's your goal? What is it that you are pursuing? When it says, seek those things which are above, it means to pursue actively those things. It means if you're risen with Christ, what is really driving or the driving emphasis in our lives? And, and I like how the Bible doesn't just make bones about it. It's pretty clear. He said, if you've been risen with Christ, the thing you need to seek is Christ. You say, well, Brother Phil, what do you mean by that? That means when I go to work tomorrow and the things that happen on my job, I need to be able to see Christ in those events and those people and the things that I've come in contact with. I don't need to seek my own desires. I don't need to seek my own will. But what you face tomorrow at work, what you face tomorrow in your family, will people see Christ in you? Will you seek what's pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ in the way you live your life tomorrow? Or tomorrow you're just back on, hey, it's time to go to, time to, go to work. I was going to put my nose to the grindstone and keep on going. Let me ask you, if we had to videotape you and we watched you and heard everything that you said and the way you carried yourself at work tomorrow, would there be enough evidence to convict that you're a Christian or are you just a good employee? A lot of people like to say, well, this is my job and this is my church life and this is my home life. We need to go back to Colossians 1. We need to go back to that. If you're not acting like a Christian on your job, you're not seeking those things which are above. There's something, everyone in this room, that's a driving force in your life. Seeking, you're actively pursuing in your life what you want to, hey, churches have this. You know, anything that doesn't have a purpose normally accomplishes what? Nothing, <laughs> doesn't it? What are you actively pursuing as a church member? What am I looking for as a pastor, as a church? What are we actively pursuing? Hey, we just want to get together and have church and go home. We really missing a whole lot in the Bible. Seek, that means actively pursue those things which are above. You know what that means? The things that really matter for eternity. Can I tell you something? There's a lot of us in this room, a lot of days. We are giving ourselves wholeheartedly, chewing our fingernails up, anxiety, giving ourselves headache and stress over things. Let's just be honest. They're not going to matter whenever we quit breathing. Ain't going to matter. Seek those things which are above. And always remember, the only thing you can take to heaven, only thing of all you can take to heaven is hopefully other people. Okay? Me getting employee of the month, which I don't know if I can get that around here or not, but me getting employee of the month, can't take that to heaven. 
Can I, hey, me getting a raise, praise God. If y'all want to do that, you know, let's talk about that. No, I'm kidding. You know, if you getting that raise. But, you know, I know people in my life that they work so hard and fret so hard and do everything just so they can move up the ladder and make a little bit more money. To what? I find out this. If I get any more money, it finds a new place to slip right out my pocket. Every dollar I got has got about 15 things going, hey, hey, over here. Here's the problem. If we really are risen with Christ, are we truly seeking Christ in everything that we do? What kind of marriage do you want? I just want one that we're not going to kill each other at the end of this thing. What kind of kids are you trying to raise? Just to get them out of the house as fast as humanly possible without them breaking me of everything physically and financially. Careful, you're probably going to get what you want. If your goal in your life and your relationships is to just survive, that's all you're going to get. But it takes some work to say, you know what, I want a marriage at the end of it that says, it mirrors, as God says, Christ in the church, and, I, and to have one that's pleasing to him, that I can leave a legacy for my children, Lord willing, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, when they look and say, yeah, mom and dad were not perfect, obviously, but man, that's the kind of marriage I want because they love Christ and please Christ with it. I think about it like this. More than likely, the years are going to pass by pretty quickly for how long I have the children in my house. And I really hope we raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because I really would hate for my children to... Whoops, sorry. Okay. I had this this morning, too. I don't know if you're in Sunday school. The thing started talking to me. Siri started talking to me. This is why I don't use electronics and things like that. But can I tell you something? Huh? No, actually, no. That had been really cool. If it cool, I could have turned that on and sat down. But um, what I'm trying to say with it is I think a lot of us, we really don't want to know what our kids think about the way we raise them. I don't think we really want to know what other people think about our marriage. I don't think... We really want to know what other people think about how we act as a Christian because we claim to be a Christian. But is it we're seeking Christ in the what we do? Hey, seek those things which are above. That means those things that are eternal, those things that matter in life, those things that, that at the end aren't going to burn up. Hey, don't get me wrong. I like nice things. I love nice things. That shouldn't be what I'm actively pursuing. I shouldn't be stepping on people to get to those things that I want, to get to that status that I want. And if we're risen with Christ, he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. But secondly, we see this. We see, not only should we seek, but another S here, set. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, whenever you, if you're in here and you've ever been in a romantic relationship at all, you finally got to the point where you set your affection like, that's the person I really love, that's the person I want to be with, that's the person, you know, and it, whether you've been dating or whether in a serious relationship, engaged, marriage, whatever, you set. That means you, you pinpoint, that's it right there. I, it wouldn't have been really cool if I looked at Rachel and said, hey, you know what? I really believe we ought to get engaged, but you're one of four, okay? I'm, 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 eventually, I'm going to narrow this down, 
but I'm just going to be straight with you. I'm going to set my affection on you on Tuesdays, and on Thursday over here, I'm going to set my affection on her, and then I'm going to set, on, and then I'm going to set my You're like, oh, you're crazy. We do that to God. We have no problem setting our affection on Christ on Sunday. What about Monday? What about Thursday? Hey, what about Saturday? Hey, can I just throw this out here and you can get mad at me if you want? A lot of how and what we set our affections on on Saturdays affects whether or not we even show up and what spirit we have if we do show up in here on Sunday. That's all right. It's okay. If what my affection truly is set on Saturday affects my worshiping in here on Sunday, my affection's in the wrong place. I'm not setting it. Seeking means to actively pursue. Set means I'm tunnel vision on this now, and this is what I'm going to do. Set your affection, your love, your desires on what? Things above. Set your affection on that. That's the things you need to set your affections on, your desires on, not things on earth or thing, it's not things on the earth, but the things that are above, the things that matter to God. Set your affection on that. It's kind of like this. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was uh, Rosie and Hannah got baptized. That was awesome to me. That was like a spiritual, emotional high for me. Can I, can I give you a danger? We probably in the moment thought, yeah, that was cool. But if you went home and found out you had $1,000 in the mail, you'd probably get a little more happy than you would watching people get baptized. You go to work the next day and find out you get an extra day off. Oh, you probably get a little more excited. You do cartwheels, you post it on Facebook, you do all that stuff. You know why? Because our affection a lot of times is on things on earth. It's not on things above. And I say, Brother Phil, I don't know if that's true in my life, so if you want to mail me $1,000, I get that, I understand that. Okay, talk to Brother Johnny about that if you'd like to do that. But what I'm saying here is this. Everybody in this room has set their affection on something. The question is, is it Christ and the things that are pleasing to him? Or is it ourself and the things that only help ourselves in that? Because I know I'm saying it a lot. Either Jesus is Lord of our life or he's not. Somebody is sitting on the throne of my heart tonight. Somebody is sitting on the throne of your heart tonight. And whoever that is or whatever that is, is what you have set your affection on. You want to know what's sitting on the throne of your life tonight? A person or thing? Is if that thing vanished away, you pretty much couldn't keep on living. Life would be worthless. It'd be meaningless to have. And if you're like me, a lot of times, I put the wrong thing on that chair. I put the wrong thing on that throne. Uh, over in the, the book of Psalm, Psalm uh, 78, and I believe it's verse number 7, Psalm 78, 7 says this, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they may what? Set their hope in God. And look, it says if we set our hope in God, guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to forget. We're not going to forget God. Okay? We're not going to forget that. It's kind of like, uh, I like to call it the, forgive me, the junior high mentality. You say, what do you mean by junior high mentality? You mean that junior high girl, and that boy walks up and says, hey, how you doing? And the rest of the day, he said hi to me. He, you know, she's like, oh, he said hi to me. But let some other guy walk up and say, like, hey, how you doing? Like, <laughs> Fifteen more people could say hi to that girl. But that boy said hi. You know what? She remembered that. Why? Because that's where her affection is set. 
some of us, let's just be honest, live our days and God can speak and God can speak and God can speak, but he's not the one that we really care about remembering. Let's just be honest. It's just what we do is just check off the list and let's keep going. But he says, set your affection. Seeking is kind of this mentality. The seeking is, if let's say it's completely dark in here and let's say the building caught on fire and there's flames and it's dark, everything's going on in here. No one's going to say, all right, well, let me make sure all the hymn books are straight. All right, well, everybody good? Oh, there's a door there. There's a door there. Let's, okay, let's go. No, what are you going to do if this building caught on fire? You're going to find an exit, and you're going to actively seek it with nothing else getting in the way. Do you have that mentality when it comes to pleasing God with your life? I'm seeking it with nothing else getting in the way. And do you set? You're just like, that's it. That's the target. That's what I want. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want is setting my affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Uh, it goes on in verse number three. It says this, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Man, it's kind of fitting. We sang the verse, you know, sang the song, I take my life. You know, I like that. For ye are dead. All right, we got it, right? But he says here, for ye are dead. That doesn't sound very good, does it? If someone comes up to you and says, hey, you're dead to me, that doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? It doesn't sound like a good thing. But what, what's uh, Paul saying here? He says, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. The, the mentality of that is over in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20, when he says, for ye are dead, and your life is now hid with Christ, it's really mimicking what he told the Galatians in Galatians 2.20 where he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I tell you the goal of my life when I'm seeking him and I'm setting my affection on things that really matter? Phil Rogers' desires are dead. It's dead. And if I truly want to be alive, the most I can be alive is when I allow Christ, as he says in Galatians 2.20, no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, what does he say? I live, how do I live it? I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Why? Why should I live this life of faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me? That's why. That's why I need to seek. That's why I need to set. Because he loved me, and I need to be dead to self. And I need to say, I want to be alive in Christ. And then verse 4, the last verse we see, it says, And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, I have underlined in my Bible this. When Christ, who is our life. What's your life tonight? Who is your life tonight? Is your life your job? Is your life your wife? Your husband? Your children or your grandchildren? Who is your, who is your life? Was it saying, James, what is your life? And we're not going there. But when Paul says here, he says, when Christ, if we're dead and we're alive, we're hidden Christ, he says, you know what? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. This is talking about the time that we meet him. It's talking about when I meet Christ, if I leave this earth to be absent from the body of the present Lord, 
or if the rapture happens and, you know, the trumpet sounds and I go to meet him, you know what? It's all going to be great because if he's my life. You know, if Christ is not my life and the way I live my life this week, this month, this year, and go on, I'm probably not going to be quite as excited to meet him if I'm honest with you. I can be married to Rachel but have affections and love for some other woman. And you know what? I can still be married to her. But if I have affection and love for another woman, and you know what? She comes to where we are. I'm going to be like, oh, baby, but I'm still married to you. I, I know I'm hugging on her. I know I'm kissing on her. But, baby, I'm married to you, man. I entered the vow and agreement with you. Hey, I know I'm showing some love here, but you're, no, I'd be embarrassed, wouldn't I? A lot of us in this life, man, our affections are other places. And it's the same thing. Man, if you go to James, James is a book that, let's just be honest, it hits you right in the face. James is a book to believers. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, to know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. To have that love and affection for the things of the world that should be love and affection for things of God. He actually calls us, James calls me when I do that, I'm an adulterer. It's like being married to Christ, but showing affection over here. And you know, that's tough. Because we still live in this flesh, you know? We all have desires. We all have wants. We all have those different things. But he, I, to me, I find it very convicting in this passage. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And I love this. I love these first few verses. This is a great chapter. But I'm telling you tonight, this chapter is not written to you if you don't know the Lord as your Savior. That's why he says if. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Hey, let me ask you this. You want to know a good test to know if you know the Lord's your Savior? Do you have desires to please God and love God with your life? It's a good test. You want to know another good test? Do you believe you're a sinner that needs God? You say, Phil, I'll, I don't know. I mean, God, I can take this or leave this. That's a dangerous place to be. You say, well, I'm really, I mean, I hear you say sinner. I'm really not a sinner that needs God. Remember, 1 John talks about if we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. And I really want to encourage you tonight with this. I know it's Sunday night. I know you say I'm here tonight, but I'm telling you, it, it, it's a horrible thing to die and go to hell, but know how a good Christian ought to live and live like a good Christian and die to go to hell because there's not a true, genuine relationship. To know him as your Savior. If you're risen with him, there's some things that should be done. We need to seek those things. What are you seeking? What are you pursuing after? We say amen here and you go running out those doors to your life. What are you going to be pursuing? Like a building on fire and you're looking for the exit. And what are you setting your affection on? That thing that you love, you crave, you desire. Is it Christ? Is it Christ honoring? Or is it fulfilling the flesh? And remember, as it says in verse 3, that our life, if we will die to self, our life can be hid with Christ. Why? Because he loved me and gave himself for me. And if those things are true, as it says in verse 4, when he appears, because he who is our life appears, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I got to tell you, there's very few times in my life I felt so right with God that I could join John over in Revelation saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But if we're risen with Christ, there are some things in our life that should be happening. Let's stand together if you would.
Father, thank you so much.